0: Greetings film fans, and welcome to another edition of the Following Feature Podcast. This week we're going to be going through some movie news, gossip, reviews, and um, yeah, just generally some movie chat. Um, we're going to try to recommend some films for you to watch during lockdown, because it carries on, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, first of all though, let's get straight into the movie news. And the first thing that I'd like to talk about is uh, the new Martin Scorsese film. Now, uh, he's adapting the book um, Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's being made for Apple TV. It's one of the most ambitious projects that um, Apple TV have done so far, and definitely one that they're um, investing a lot of money in. Um, Because I know that Netflix had uh, Scorsese's last film, The Irishman. Uh, If you haven't watched that yet, give it a go. But um, three and a half hours long, so, you know. Get comfortable. But it is worth it. It's fantastic. It's a very innovative film in regards to the effects of the de-aging process. But as well, it's a classic Scorsese film where he tells this um wonderfully complex story uh, and he really gives it time to breathe and grow. It's it's very enjoyable. Some standout performances from De Niro and Pacino and Pesci. Great to see those guys together. Um and of course, you know, it being a Martin Scorsese film, there's gonna be a few more uh, familiar names in this one as well. Um the title role, uh, the title role, maybe not the title role, but one of the leads is um, being played by uh, Robert De Niro, and the other one is Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, no huge surprises there. They're both very fond of working with Martin Scorsese, and they've both done some great work under Martin Scorsese. I mean, you know, De Niro has been a longtime collaborator and easily one of the finest actors of all time. So, um, always looking forward to seeing what he does, especially under Scorsese, who, you know, their relationship works because they know how to get the best out of each other. Um, and I do think that, um, DiCaprio has uh, a similar relationship with Martin Scorsese, although I've not been too fond of DiCaprio films with Martin Scorsese directing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the best director, or the director gets the best out of DiCaprio is, um, Tarantino. Quite easily. Um, what he did in, uh, that film there, the, um, Django Unchained. Yeah, we're not going to have too many brain farts this week, people. Um, I've even got Google and IMDb and everything open in front of me, just in case I do, you know, stutter. Um, It's kind of weird, actually, recording the podcast, because I'm usually quite, you know, on the ball with information and names and stuff. But um, it's just that kind of, once you've got the microphone in front of you and you're recording, that's it. You know, any kind of hesitation puts a little bit of panic into your mind. I guess it's a bit similar um, to what you get on uh, game shows. You know, it's really easy to answer all those questions when you're sat home and watching The Chase, but people seem to just falter with all those lights in the studio there and the cameras and everything like that. So, um, yeah, and there's tangent number one. But back to this Martin Scorsese film, which is what I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, I'd never heard of the book myself, but Killers of the Flower Moon, it's about about a notorious family in Oklahoma in the 20s, and they became some of the richest people in the world when oil was discovered under their land. Um... And sure enough, one by one, they all started to get murdered and the FBI investigated. Uh, not really sure much about the details beyond that, but um, I can kind of see, I don't know, De Niro being the rich old landowner and DiCaprio being the uh, FBI agent. That's my prediction so far. Um, but we're not going to be seeing this for a while. I mean, no, they won't be going into production until the end of the year, if not next year. Um, so don't expect to be seeing this until springtime at 2022 at the, the earliest. Okay, the other film that we've got coming up, um, and one that I've been hearing about this week, is Labyrinth 2. Now, um, it's going to be a sequel to the 1986 original, which, if you remember, uh, starred David Bowie as the uh, as the Goblin King, and um, Jennifer Con- Connelly, who's desperately working her way through this series of mazes, labyrinths, I guess. You know, that's what it's about. Um, and she's desperately trying to find a little brother, a little toddler. Um... And there's lots of songs about the baby. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a classic film, but um, it was uh, great because it had um, a lot of the puppet work done by the Henson Company, Jim Henson, who did the Muppets and all that jazz. Um, and you'll be happy to know that it is the Henson, the Jim Henson Company that's, that's producing this one. And they brought in uh, Scott Derrickson as the director, um, who famously did uh, the first Doctor Strange movie. Um, so he's no stranger to... Um, Fantasy movies and you know effects heavy movies and hopefully there's gonna be a lot of practical effects in this you know Henson productions always do fantastic because of their amazingly animated uh creatures and creations um and but the, that film had a lot of magic and it's got, it's got a lot of sentimental um importance for people of that generation I'm a kid of the eighties, so you know that was one of the most important films for me growing up um But you never know, Uh, Jennifer Connelly's still around so she might be in it, but unfortunately we don't have the uh, late, great David Bowie anymore, Um, but who knows, who knows, there's all kinds of weird and wonderful ways they could continue that story, Um, let's just hope it's not a cash grab. Okay, the next bit of information is regarding Planet of the Apes. Now, at first I put down this is about Planet of the Apes 4, but technically I guess the original movies do count as part of the storyline. So. This is Planet of the Apes um, 9. Then again, some people like to count the um, uh, the Tim Burton reboot with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, unfortunately that did happen. Um, I mean, it's, it's not really a continuation of the story. It's a retelling of the story. So I don't really see it as part of the series. Um, so this is Planet of the Apes 4 slash 9. Definitely not 10. But anyway, that's not really important. Uh, The important thing is, um, who's making it? Um, Well, uh, the director that's been uh, tied to the project so far is Wes Ball, who made the uh, Maze Runner trilogy. I'm not too familiar with those movies. I did watch the first one, but um, I kind of felt like I wasn't the demographic. Like, it wasn't really appealing to me. And the same way that the Hunger Games didn't really grab me at first, and definitely not the Harry Potter films. Um, They're made with a specific audience in mind, and whilst they can be endearing and charming to... A more mature audience. i sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have. I think I would have loved those films as a as a child. But growing up, I've I'm just not really been able to get into them that much. Um, I might do a special on the Harry Potter franchise at some point and just discuss where I feel, think the films went right and where I think they went wrong, and uh, just you know, not being a Harry Potter fan, coming in with an impartial point of view. Um, what did I think of the whole series? Let me know if you want to hear about that. Um, I have a few ideas for like special podcasts. Um, but I digress. Again. Um, so what we're, what we're looking at now is new Apes film. And the, this is something I hear a lot. When people are talking about a new project, they always say like, well, we're trying to take it in a different direction. We're trying to do something new with the film. And you don't really get that. Um, so, I mean... Unless they're making Apes in Space, I don't really see this being um, a hugely different film from what we're used to or what we're expecting. Um, But we really don't know much about it at the moment. I mean, the last one, um, War for the Planet of the Apes, came out in 2017. um, And apparently they are using the same script to write as from the the films that have come out so far in this whole reboot. Uh, But there's no word yet if Andy Serkis has been um, tied in to working on this film. And of course, he is the motion capture um, genius. Uh, who's behind the likes of Caesar in this film. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, Of course, he's actually busy at the moment working on um, a film with Matt Reeves, who made the original, well, made um, the previous uh, Planet of the Apes films. Um, But they're both working on the Batman at the moment. Um, They work together on more of the Planet of the Apes, sorry, not all of the films. But Andy Serkis has been in all the films, and, and he's actually playing Alfred in Matt Reeves' Reezes, The Batman, um, which I've just heard, actually, is about to continue production because they've been given the go-ahead. Um, this is a story that's breaking on The Guardian today. Apparently, uh, the film industry in this country has been given the go-ahead to um, be- resume production of large films um, within the guidelines of uh, COVID-19 restrictions. Um, it's going to be a difficult one because, you know, it's it's... I guess with Hollywood, they can afford to do a lot of testing a bit like um, we're seeing in sports at the moment. Um, you know, they, so they, they probably can do it, but I imagine they'll probably be doing the smaller scenes to begin with whilst they kind of ease back into it and find their feet. Um, the whole series of testing and everything with all the production crew. I don't know if you've ever been on a film set, but there are a lot more people than you realize. Um, it's not just the cast. It's not just the director, but you've also got the camera um, operators and, um, I'm not just the camera operators but the focus pullers the boom operators um all the different makeup and uh, the assistant directors and crowd you know ads and and all the extras i mean that's one thing i I have actually worked as um as an extra or supporting artist i should say um in the industry and in in films like that you, you know you're gonna have I've been in films where they've used up to like 750 to a thousand extras in one scene. Um, In fact, I believe I was in, um, I I worked on uh, Now You See Me 2. And the only bit I did really was the, the end scene um, where it's like New Year's celebration. and everyone's down by the Thames watching some craziness go down. Um, I don't know if you saw that film. I'm not spoiling anything because um, I really only feel that you can spoil good films. And this isn't, one of those so i don't feel like i'm spoiling it um but anyway a lot of stuff goes down in the thames and and there was over a thousand of us um celebrating in a big group um all closely pushed in together like a like an actual concert you know um and i think we broke the record that was at, at pinewood um for the largest uh, crowd scene in in one shot um so yeah over a thousand extras that's that kind of stuff it's not going to happen until there's a vaccine really there's too many people mixing at once so I imagine whilst films are going back into production, they're going to be working on more intimate scenes where there's one or two characters having some dialogue together. Um, and then we'll see how things go on. But um, yeah, film production is resuming in the UK and one of those films is The Batman. Um, I know it's actually filming in Bedfordshire um, at an old hangar, an old airship hangar. So yeah, and you know, we all want to see what happens with this. It's a very interesting and exciting film. It's got a great cast, a great director. And... Yeah. Uh, DC have faltered quite a number of times with their movies, um, but they really hit their stride with The Joker. And now that they're doing these like other world type stories, you know, we get a, a chance for real artists to create art. And I do think The Batman it's you know that there are so many different Batman stories that can be told. Apparently this one's based on the the um Uh, The Long Halloween or something like that. Um, But yeah, looking forward to seeing that. Um, No real word of when it's going to be released now because everything's been pushed back. But uh, as soon as we have more information on that, we'll let you know. But Planet of the Apes, there is a fourth film coming. Uh, We don't really know what it's going to be about yet. Um, Apes in Space, that's what I'm hoping. Um, But we'll see. Uh, More news on that to come. Ryan Gosling has made the news in the last couple of days because he has actually... Apparently he put forward... um, a proposed idea for The Wolfman. Now as you know um, Universal tried to create their Dark Universe uh, films which was going to be a load of classic horror characters coming together in one shared universe and they started out and 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 finished with uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy. I haven't actually seen that yet and I think that's kind of the problem. I think that's, that's why this whole thing's um, why they pulled the plug on that whole shared universe. Not Because I didn't see it individually, but a lot of people were kind of put off by the um, overhyped, you know, it was just a bit too shiny. And it seemed to be all about like sort of, I don't know, big set pieces, too many visuals, not enough storyline. So they kind of abandoned that, but they did come back with The Invisible Man, which we'll we'll be reviewing in a bit, actually. And that had such a huge success that they've decided that they can still do this. They can still have um, a series of movies based on classic horror icons. And Ryan Gosling has actually come forward with a uh, proposed idea for The Wolfman, where he plays a news anchor that has to deal with an affection which turns him into The Wolfman. I mean, that's really all we know. I mean, it's a classic story that's been told a, a thousand times, um personal favourite, of course, is uh, An American Werewolf in London. Um, good God. I've got that on Blu-ray and it's it still stands up. It's such a wonderfully um, disgusting film with its uh, great effects. Um, one of the first films to actually get, I think one of the only horror films to get um, an Oscar for its uh, makeup and special effects. Um, although I think the Wolfman, the, the Benicio del Toro one that came out about 10 years ago, I think that won an Oscar for special effects as well. So if you look into, won an Oscar for sp- like special effects. And just to just clarify, um, special effects are the practical ones, visual effects are the computer-generated ones. Um, so when I talk about special effects, I'm not talking about lightsabers and Star Wars. I'm talking about um, someone's face distorting with the use of uh, like a, a latex mask and animatronics. Um, so yeah, uh, Ryan Gosling wants to play the, the Wolfman. He's put forward an idea, which Universal have actually apparently said, yeah, okay, we're interested. We're going to do that. But that's it. That's all we know at the moment. That news only just broke, I think, yesterday. Um, so watch this space. As soon as I know more about that, I'll let you know. I'm, I am a Ryan Gosling fan. I do think he's a very fine actor. Um, Drive, I thought, that was the film that really endeared me to him. I thought he was absolutely mesmerizing in that. And, um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, Blade Runner, uh, 2049, is it? 2149? The Blade Runner sequel, um, by Denis Villeneuve. I thought he just did a fantastic job. It was a wonderful film and it's really hard to do a sequel to such a classic film and make it stand shoulder to shoulder with the original as well. Um, so I'm interested to see what Ryan Gosling does next. Uh, he's, you know, as I say, he's an actor that I I greatly admire and, um, I think he could bring something different to that role. And, you know, the whole idea about it being a news anchor um, and putting it in the public eye like that, it's it's a different take on it, but I'm sure there'll be some cliches there for us to uh, pick apart. The last bit of news is regarding the latest film from Edgar Wright. Now, if you know Edgar Wright, he is probably most famous for doing the Cornetto trilogy, which was um, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Fantastic, all of them. The World's End maybe wasn't as well acclaimed, um, but it was still a very enjoyable film. I've watched it three or four times. Um, I've watched Hot Fuzz and Shaun the Dead a million times more, but that's not to say that The World's End isn't still a great film. He also made Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, a very underestimated film, um, or underrated film, sorry, Um, and a classic that I've gone back to time and time again. Uh, Great, yeah, a a great telling of a a, a very obscure uh, comic um, yeah, but um, Edgar Wright did fantastic stuff But the great cast as well, you forget who's in that film um, It's not just Michael Serra who plays the lead role But uh, his housemate's Kieran McCulkin Is it Kieran Culkin? What do you think? Macaulay Culkin Yeah, I don't know why, I think because Macaulay Culkin played Kevin McAllister I'm always trying to put that muck in there somewhere um, Well, I've got to get the muck out So, um, yeah, Kieran Culkin But it also has um, Brendan Ralph. Uh, who was uh, Superman in Superman Returns, Uh, has Chris Evans, who played Captain America for many years, um, who apparently gave himself a severe headache with that furrowed brow all the way through the film. But I digress. Oh, yeah, the last film he did was Baby Driver, which was um, probably Edgar Wright's best film so far, although um, it has a bit of stigma attached to it now because of Kevin Spacey. Um, Whilst I don't endorse uh, Kevin Spacey as a person, Uh, As an actor, he was absolutely fantastic. And I don't think this film should be tarnished with his reputation away from, you know, when he's not acting. I I know that he's completely responsible for his actions and um, I do not condone what he did in any way, shape or form. Um, But at the end of the day, the art is the art. And he did a great job acting in that film as he has done in many films. He's not a great actor because of his sordid history and the way he treats people. So I don't think saying that he's a great actor is, you know, giving him the green card and saying like kind of all of it's acceptable because you were you great in American beauty. It's not really how it works. Um, but Baby Driver is a fantastic film uh, and it's it's, you know, it's one that I've watched so many times because... I don't know, it's the pace, um, the dialogue, the camera work, the editing, um, the music, uh, it's all fantastic. It's absolutely a brilliant film and so I'm really, really excited to see what he does next. Uh, And his sixth movie uh, could be his most ambitious. Um, It's called Last Night in Soho and it's his first psychological horror film. Uh, Set in the 60s and rumored to involve time travel, Uh, it stars Matt Smith, as you may know from Doctor Who and the god-awful Terminator Genesis. Um, He'll also be appearing in the upcoming Morbius, starring Jared Leto. Um, Anna Taylor-Joy is uh, the lead actress. She's uh, probably best known for Peaky Blinders and uh, Emma. Um, And she's also in the upcoming uh, Marvel film The New Mutants, although I do think that's a Marvel Fox film, so it's not quite in the MCU. And uh, um, also in the film is uh, Thomas and McKenzie, who um, I know mostly from uh, Leave No Trace, uh, the Deborah Granick film. Absolutely one of the best films I've seen in the last 10 years. Um, it's Thomas Mackenzie and uh, Ben Foster uh, playing a, a father and daughter who are trying to live outside of society so that the father doesn't have to deal with his PTSD issues. And suddenly they're forced back into society and uh, it kind of upsets their ne- their dynamic uh, but it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um I'll, I'll 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 give that one a shout next week actually. I'll I'll review that as as an indie film. Um but yeah, so great cast. Um interesting idea. We don't really know much else about it at the moment. Um uh but yeah, well, uh, because of the whole COVID situation, of course, production halted and everything's been put on the back burner for the time being, and uh Edgar Wright did actually take to social media the other day to announce that the film has been pushed back until April 23rd, 2021. That's unfortunate. It was supposed to be coming out in September this year. And as I say, like, I'm a huge fan of his films and I was a huge fan of his TV show Spaced as well. Um, he's a director that I don't really feel has, has done much wrong yet. Um Touchwood. But yeah, so we'll see about that. Um, April 23rd next year, we'll be seeing that... Who knows? Who knows? There's not really much detail uh, of what to expect yet, but um, once I know more, I will let you know. Okay, so that's enough of the news. Now we move on to our reviews. Uh, now, the first one I want to talk about this week is our big, big film. Um, i want to say big, big. What I'm saying is like this one had a theatrical release. It was a major film. Um, it didn't go straight to an online streaming platform. Um Although it is there now, so you can catch it if you want. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is The Invisible Man. Now, as I said earlier, Universal have uh, reignited their whole um, dark universe, like shared universe for their horror characters. Uh, And this is their first proper attempt at that. The Invisible Man stars Elizabeth Moss as Cecilia, um, a girl trapped in an abusive relationship. With the help of family, she manages to escape her captor and reclaim her freedom. Expecting to be tracked down, she goes into hiding and does a pretty good job until some shocking news reaches her that, destroyed by the guilt and grief, her tormentor has taken his own life. But the nightmare has only just begun. Soon Cecilia is haunted by the presence of her dead ex, and she can't convince the people around her that it's not just in her head. All the evidence she finds leads her to believe that he's still around and... Being an optical technology genius is not that far-fetched, um, but to those around her, it's painfully obvious that she's having a breakdown brought on by stress and grief. But when people around her start to come to harm, questions must be answered, and Cecilia must try to orchestrate a confrontation of some sort with a dead man, or come to terms with her own deteriorating mental state. Now, this is directed by Lee Wannel, 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 Whannell, Whannell, W-H-A-N-N-E-L-L, Whannell. Anyway, uh, he also did a great job of the uh, highly acclaimed uh, indie science fiction flick Upgrade, um, which I believe you can still find on, um, it's either on Amazon or it's on Netflix. But uh, yeah, it's up there. Give it a go. Um, so he does a fantastic job of playing with the viewer's expectations of what's to come. Uh, he makes you look at empty spaces as if you'll see something uh, move. You know, um, there's one bit where it kind of turns to um, a bay window with a curtain and some cushions. And you're staring at everything with all of your... Concentration to see if you can see something move, or whether you see some kind of indentation in the cushion, something like that. You know, it's um, um but often a lot of the times you're you're forced looking to look into a corner where there is nothing happening. Uh, but that's when the, the director basically um, triggers your imagination uh, and and starts to make you as paranoid as the protagonist he's showing in the film. This is a fantastic trick, and it really worked on me as well because I was in the film and I was watching. I was I was desperately trying to be you know, outsmart the film. Uh, I was trying to see the clues that, it turns out, weren't really there. Um, But he does this to validate your fears, and in that sense, the director makes you experience almost the same degree of paranoid delusion that Cecilia might be experiencing. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, It played with all the anticipations of of the viewer um, by deliberately using these cliched horror horror movie tropes uh, for misdirection uh, in order to upset your confidence in the path the narrative takes. It makes you feel slightly uncomfortable and it gives you a sense of self-doubt that allows a degree of um empathy for uh the, the film's main character. Um and it's it that's that's something that films really achieve because um in a situation where like you've got someone who's who's in um a perilous situation, um, usually they just try to describe the situation as being perilous and you're supposed to go along with that but rarely do directors really kind of successfully get into get you into the protagonist's head and make you feel the way they're feeling about this whole situation. Um, a lot of this is down to the director, but also an outstanding performance from Moss. Um, she conveys the perfect amount of fear and paranoia that you'd imagine you'd experience in such circumstances. Even after the fir- final act, when all is seemingly wrapped up, you can't help but feel a degree of uncertainty about what you saw. And that intelligent use of uh, purposeful ambiguity means that you'll be thinking about this film for long after the credits roll. Um, now, it's available to rent or download on Amazon and Apple TV. And uh, I'm telling you, um, as far as horror films go, this this is a very clever one. Um, it doesn't rely on star power, although I know Elizabeth Moss is a very big star. Um, but she has this ability to convey genuine sincere emotion and um you you're totally convinced by her character and you're you're along with her for the ride all the way through um it, it really does uh, you know it's as i say it, it plays with different um cliches that uh you you come to expect and um it deliberately uses that to to throw you off the scent and yeah i think there's there's enough here where there's enough that goes unexplained that, uh, as I say, engages your imagination um, and, and makes you feel kind of uneasy with the situation that you're completely drawn in and you're along for the ride, 100%. Um, if, you, if you like a good horror film and you don't want it to all be about jump scares and like sort of gore porn or what they call it? Gorno? When, when people just want too much gore. That's where the, the, like the sore films and hostile films came from. Not bad films. Well, some of them. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this film, and I would thoroughly recommend it. When I came out of the cinema, I, I kind of expected to be um, disappointed. I'd also seen the uh, remake of The Grudge. Uh, I don't know if that's a remake or a sequel or what. I, I mean, that film was so confusing, but it was just so boring as well. Dear God, it had nothing original going on. Um, the most predictable storyline, uh, the most half-arsed characters, um, not a bad cast, but they were given really fuck all to work with. And it was just a, a boring, boring film. I was actually angry when I left The Grudge. Um, so I just, yeah, I'll talk about literally the one that came out a few months ago. Uh, I'm not talking about the one, the, the Sarah Michelle Geller one that Sam Raimi made that I actually really, really liked. Um, I thought that was really really well done and, and you know it's very hard for those remakes they were making so many of them that you just didn't expect anything to come off that and yeah The Grudge with Sarah Michelle Geller, I think it was like 2004 it came out give it a go it's actually really good um, from what I can remember uh, but this is also a fantastic horror film and it, it does set up the um, the dark universe a little bit better than I think uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy did although I can, oh, I'm going to get that a watch now aren't I bollocks all right, well you know I chose this life. Let's move on to the next film. Uh, the next film is uh, one that I hadn't really heard much about until I actually sat down and watched it and and I like to do that every now and again. Um, I try to look for films that um, I don't know but they've got some great reviews um, but here's the thing I look for films with great reviews and I don't watch the review I don't read the reviews but then I watch the film. And then I compare my notes to um how the uh, other people have seen the film um, it's quite an interesting one um I don't know sometimes I miss things um, but I'm here to provide a unique perspective and a personal one as well um so with this film that I discovered um I've discovered like it's a fucking new land or something like I I, think I don't get to name it it's, it's already been named um. The film is uh, Blow the Man Down, and it's written and directed by uh, the team of Bridget Savage-Cole and Danielle Crudy. Uh, This tells the tale of two adolescent girls, Mary Beth and Priscilla, who must evaluate their lives after tragically losing their mother to cancer. Uh, Inheriting the family fishmongering business is not best suited to them both, and the girl's relationship is quickly fractured by the harsh truth of their mother's death and the consequences that come with it. Determined to drink away her sorrows, Mary Beth finds herself in bad company and unknowingly puts herself in danger. This leads to a confrontation that ends in more tragedy, but this time by her own hands. Sibling squabbling is immediately put on the shelf as Priscilla fights to do what's best for her sister and their already fragile grip on their existing problems. Can they live with what they've done, regardless of the justifications? Once a sizable amount of money is thrown into the equation, complications quickly mount and the two girls are in over their heads. And whilst it may be a small town, their family's legacy might mean that they have bigger fish to fry than they're used to. The film is swimming in charm and from its sweet, naive protagonist to the gangster grannies, Blow the Man Down is full of wonderfully endearing characters and a plot that's complex but not complicated. Uh, This simple story of a family you're... Well, basically, it's it's a simple story of a family that you're born with Uh, as opposed to the family that you grow up with. Um, And it's as amusing as it is absorbing. Um, Whilst never fast-paced, it's compelling enough to make it seem a lot shorter than its 90-minute runtime. Um, I sat down to watch this film knowing that some people had praised it and it had like a good Rotten Tomato score and stuff like that. Um, And to be honest, as I said earlier, I just use this to kind of pique my interest um, and just to kind of seek out things. It doesn't always work out. Sometimes I, I, I think I found a hidden gem or... Some kind of treasure, and um, turns out to be an self-indulgent piece of crap. Um, but you know, the pursuit is the is the fun of this. And um, when I sat down and watched Blow the Man Down a couple of days ago, I was absolutely mesmerised. You know, it's 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 a very easy sto- story to follow. It doesn't get over and It doesn't try to bite off more than it can chew. Um, and in a way, it has a, a kind of Stephen King esque feel to it. Um, not in the horror sense, but and, and you know, mainly. Yeah, mainly. Um, Maine had a big thing to do with this. It's it's set in Maine, and it has that kind of like sort of bleak um, story. It's, it's a, definitely a, a, a. I wouldn't say it's a black comedy necessarily, but it has some dark humor to it. Um, and what I really found about this was it had that kind of vibe of Stand By Me. There's there's horror and tragedy, but there's something simple and quirky about the setting that just um, yeah makes it sweet. Um, and makes it an engrossing film, really. Um, I'd say that the, the the ninety minutes that it was on just kind of flew by, because um, you really want to see what's going to happen to these girls, whether they're going to be able to resolve the situation without, you know, making things much worse, um, or where everything's going to come back and and just bite them in the arse and explode, or, you know, and just destroy their lives. You you really don't know, and and the film isn't looking to um, meet anyone's expectations. Uh, It has a few little twists and turns that you don't see coming. A few overlapping storylines that don't seem important at first, but become pivotal as the film uh, unravels. Um, And yeah, I just found it very charming and and very sweet and very well done. There's a cast of not very well-known people. There's a few um, faces you will recognise. The the one that I was able to name whilst watching was Annette O'Toole. Um, But... Even that took me a couple of seconds and I had to double-check online as well because um, the last thing I saw her in was um, Smallville, the TV series. And I don't know if that film, that TV show was further in the past than I remember it being or whether her makeup was better back then. But yeah, Annette O'Toole pops up and she looks... Well, she's in a gang of grannies. As I say, the gangster grannies. um, And she doesn't seem like she's out of place really. Um, But yeah, a wonderful cast, uh, really well written and directed. Um, I've, I've not heard of these ladies, Bridget Cole and Danielle Crudy before, but I will be seeking other films which have them attached to them because their approach to filmmaking is obviously one um, of a great understanding and, uh, and passion. Um, The simplicity of the storytelling um, and the beauty of, of the, the way the film's put together and, and you know filmed and written and directed it's 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 all very well done and and I guess I I've said enough about it really but it's on Amazon now Uh, give it a go it's it's a very charming sweet heartwarming film and I think you'll really enjoy it Um, right now coming up to our last review uh, it's actually a film that I watched uh, a few years ago, but I've, I've actually come back to a couple of times, and it's one that I kind of push on other people. Um, because this is the thing, Like I'm very passionate about films. Um, I really love them. I, I love just kind of, just, you know, suspend disbelief for a good 90 minutes or so, and just be, just allow yourself to to be taken in by a story, and, and just be engrossed in, in the characters, and the plot, and, and the world that it builds. Um, and... I have such an experience with these films, especially good films, that I don't know, it, 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 it makes me happy and it warms my heart. So I want that for other people. Uh, and that's why I really do push films that I think are significant and, and you know worth a watch. It's kind of the reason why I'm doing this podcast, actually. I talk about films all the time and I'm always recommending films to people. And if I find out that there's a really great film that you've not even heard of, oh, I get giddy. I can't wait to start breaking it down. Um, and this, this is this is definitely one of those films. This is a film that I've made a lot of people watch. Um, it's called Safety Not Guaranteed. You can find it on Netflix at the moment. And it's a little indie film. Um, again, remember I was saying like sort of uh, Visible Man was my big, big film because it was a big theatrical release. Um, well, Blow the Man Down was my my little big film. Because whilst it was technically an indie re- indie release, it was an Amazon Studios release, um, and so it is a bit more of a. I mean, when if, if Amazon are financing your film, are you really an indie film? I mean, technically, I guess you can be. Uh, they might have just bought the distribution rights, uh, but I didn't see that as an indie film. So that's that's my my little big film this this week, and um, my unheard of, or my 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 hidden gem film, uh, which I say is always, not always an indie film, but I try to make it uh, an indie film. I try to make sure that there's always one indie film reviewed in this podcast because you give a good filmmaker, no money. And what you'll see is imagination on screen. And sometimes that can be the most, um, it can be the best thing for a filmmaker CV to show exactly how amazing your imagination is. Uh, so yeah, indie films for me, you know, um, it's about really kind of seeing what someone's made of. Because um, you can throw money at a film and, you know, we see these huge blockbusters. It doesn't matter how much you spend on a film. If, you, if you're if you not a good filmmaker, it's not going to be a good film. Simple as that. Um, so when a good director comes along that has no budget and managed to make a huge film um, that's massively successful, like this is. Uh, well, I, I don't even know if it's massively successful, but... Colin Trevorrow's Safety Not Guaranteed. It was his indie film. And it was the film that got him uh, the job on Jurassic World. Now, whether you think that's a good thing or not, I'm not sure by mentioning Jurassic World that I'm really kind of painting a picture of how great this director is. But sometimes there's that situation where, like, with no money, they make a great film. With endless amounts of money, they kind of get lost in overdoing over-flavouring their cake, if you know what I mean. Just keep adding more and more sugar, more and more sparkles. What the fuck am I talking about? Anyway, Safety Not Guaranteed It um, uh, stars Jake Johnson of New Girl fame as Jeff, a journalist who sets out to investigate an ad in a small-town paper that says, wanted somebody to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. P.O. Box 9-1, Ocean View... W A nine nine three nine three. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. I have only done this once before. Safety not guaranteed. For this, he recruits two young assistants from the uh, the magazine he works at. One's played by what? Dari- uh, played by Darius. Darius is played by Aubrey Plaza, who you might know from the likes of um, uh, what's it called uh, Parks and Recreation. Um, she's a disillusioned intern who is desperate to escape a depressing home life. Um, and the other recruit is Anu, played by Karen Sonny. Uh, he's a biology student with a very limited social skills. And now Jeff uses Darius to get close to the guy who ran the ad after failing to make a connection himself. Uh, basically, uh, he tries to go in there with his arrogant self and just scares the guy off. Uh, as the team follow and investigate the alleged time traveller, uh, Kenneth, played by the fantastic Mark Duplass, um, Mark Duplass is a, a very fine actor, and um, he had such faith in this film that him and his brother uh, helped produce it with their own production company. Um, but He plays Kenneth, our time allegedly time traveling protagonist, uh, and it becomes clear that there's more to this guy than some joke ad. He's serious, but is he dangerous? Uh, as Darius becomes fascinated by this stranger's unusual and mysterious ways. The others end up sidetracked with their own pursuits, mainly of love. Uh, For Jeff, it's an opportunity to rekindle a long-lost love that uh, might be more than an exaggerated memory of something that no longer exists, while Arnu still longs to find his first love and become the man he wants to be. Uh, and With the arrival of some Men in Black type investigators, the team must take a fresh look at the world they face uh, and and see the reality they're waking up to. Basically, uh they're 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 coming to realise that they might not fully understand the situation they're in. They might have made some assumptions, um, and they're not entirely sure what's going on. Um but the mystery man they, they fear they might have underestimated. Um they start to wonder if they've left Darius in a situa- situation where she's not as safe as they once believed. Um yeah. It's a very interesting and quirky tale. Um, for me, it's it's one of the sweetest tales of uh, companionship and introspection. Um, though each character has their own journey in this film, it tells a story of human emotion. Uh, that's and they're all very relatable. It also manages to weave moments of silly behaviour with ones of pure heart and warmth. Um, be a be a farcical heist of uh, a scientific laboratory. Or a sweet song by a campfire. Uh, Safety Not Guaranteed is a wonderful film with great performances throughout. Uh, Mark Duplass, who I mentioned earlier, is quirky and lovable as the childlike shelf-stacker turned confident man of mystery. Jake Johnson is compelling and endearing as someone whose deluded view of the world unravels and forces him to bare his soul. And Aubrey Plaza plays her character with just enough vulnerability vulnerability and sincerity that you go from rolling your eyes at her in the beginning... Uh, to being invested in her pursuit of happiness towards the end. Um, it'll warm your heart so much that you might even need a hug afterwards. I actually wrote that down. Because that's, that's how I felt after I watched it. You know, it, it's one of those things that, as these characters um, go through the uh, the events of that's happening around them and, and those which directly affect their personal lives, um, it kind of hits a few personal notes and kind of makes you empathize with the characters a bit more because they're talking about basic human emotions here um uh the desire to love and be loved um and just kind of trying to see yourself for who you really are um and not project this image of who you think you're supposed to be um so i think it's it's wonderfully introspective in that way um but it's also a very sweet story um there was a lot of emotion involved uh, and for me I, I really I don't know, I, it was hard to identify with any character individual because as I say, as each character goes through their different trials and tribulations um, you find yourself like being able to empathise with each one of them in a, in a unique way and you can identify with their story because um, there's a version of it in all of us uh, in all of their, their um, storylines but, yeah, I found it to be absolutely charming. It's a film I've gone back to time and time again. I'm not sure when it came out. It's been out for a few years now, but it's on Netflix. Um, and it's thoroughly worth your time. Um, it's a very sweet film. Uh, I would actually say it's a pretty decent date movie. But um, what, who's going on a date these days? You know what I mean? It's it's just not happening right now. So, yeah, Um That's pretty much it for my uh, news and reviews this week. Um, The one thing I did want to end on is... um, I I forgot to mention it last week, but it's uh, in regards to mental health awareness. uh, I know it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, I, like many people, I've had my run-ins with mental health issues in the past. And um, in this situation at the moment, when we're all in lockdown... We can't do the things that we'd normally do. We can't have the um, social interaction that we'd normally rely on for our well-being and our our happiness. Um, We all want to be around our friends and family again as soon as possible. Um, A lot of us are missing work. Um, As I say, I work in the film industry and I get to meet just a plethora of crazy, weird, wonderful and brilliant people. Um, I'm making new friends every week and uh, having experiences that I never thought I would... Have um, so I, I thoroughly miss all of that, and it does it does weigh on me after a while. Um, unfortunately, I've had to, you know, uh, claim universal credit during all of this because that was my only option, and it's put me in a situation where um, you know life seems hard, and it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle to motivate yourself in the morning. It's a struggle to um, really find a purpose with your day. And um, yeah, I know that a lot of you out there are also struggling um, day to day with this kind of thing. And um, I just want you to know that you're not alone. There's a lot of us going through this. Um, If you ever wanna speak to anyone and you don't really have anyone to reach out to, if you're gonna reach out to anyone that knows you and spill your guts to a complete stranger, um, give me a shout, Uh, drop me a message. Um, I'm more than willing to speak to anyone about anything that's going on in their heads right now. Um, We're all in this together and I haven't got through my problems without the help of others, uh, without the ability to talk about my problems and to be listened to um, and just, you know, no one needs to hand out any answers. Sometimes it's just a helpful ear that really makes the difference. Um, uh, So, you know, if, if there's people out there that you haven't spoken to in a while that you probably would have interacted with at work or you know in your social life, uh, check in with your friends and family, just see how everyone's doing. Um, but most importantly, you know, reach out to people if you feel you need to, um, get help if you need to. Um, there's there's a lot of help out there. Uh, as I say, if you can't find any, if you don't really have anyone to turn to in these kind of situations, drop me a message. Who knows? Um, maybe we can just talk about movies. Uh, maybe we can talk about feelings. I don't care. If you need to speak, I'm here. That's the important thing. And one last thing. Now, I mentioned brain farts at the beginning of this episode because last week I had a couple of moments where, despite the information being very well known to me and very obvious, I, I forgot a couple of bits of information. I know one friend in particular was uh, listening to the podcast whilst doing his gardening and he found himself just stopping at one point and shouting out the world INCEPTION! Um, because I couldn't remember the name of that film last week I could not remember it Um, and maybe it's just because like in the back of my mind I have dismissed that one as the the time when Christopher Nolan didn't quite get it right a lot of people love that film Um, for me I just I don't know as I say not everyone can get the best out of DiCaprio um, but that, that was just a film that I, I felt it was a bit self-indulgent and, um, I think it was just, I don't know. It was trying to impress too much. It was trying to be too clever. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the effects are fantastic and visually it is a, a mind bending film. Um, but I haven't gone back to it. I felt no need to see it again. Um, People are like, oh, but you don't really get it until the second time you see it, because then you see stuff that you didn't see the first time around, you know what I mean? Uh, No, no, I I think I saw everything. Um, I think I knew exactly what was going on. It wasn't that complicated a story, even though it tried to say it was. Um, If anything, I think it over-explained itself and just kind of, yeah, way too much exposition, way too many people sitting around giving these over-articulated monologues about dreams and the imagination and the brain just bored the hell out of me. So yeah, I did forget that one. Um, but the other thing I forgot uh, was the name of a, a specific actor um, from Justice League. Um, I kept saying, oh, your man there, the Aquaman guy that played, oh, what was his name, Drago. Obviously, I'm talking about Jason Momoa. And um, one thing I found out is that if you post a picture of Jason Momoa on your Instagram page... Yeah, it gets a bit of traction. Um, That's as far as the following feature, Instagram page, which please go and follow uh, because I do use that to um, preview what's coming up in the podcast and discuss movie news that I think is relevant during the week in the build up to the podcast as well. Um, But yeah, I I stuck a picture on there and um, a lot of people liked it. A A lot of ladies liked it. Most, most, I'd say ninety-seven percent of the people that liked that picture were women who do not follow me on on Instagram. It was just that picture. I doubt they read the story; they just saw that beautiful man's beautiful face and were like, "He's beautiful." Um. Yeah, but there's a good reason why I, of all people, should have remembered that Jason Momoa was in Justice League, because um, as I say, I work in the industry. And uh, one of the jobs I had was working on Justice League. Now, it was a very small role, um, and I was only there for a day. But um, a couple of weeks before filming, I went down to Warner Brothers Studios for my fitting. And um, there was a bit of a situation. um, uh, I think there was a bit of a mix-up with the character that I was playing. And um, I was brought in, and... um, I basically received a couple of phone calls beforehand saying, listen, are you going to be all right to be clean-shaven for this role? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's not a problem. You know, it's a big film. I can can do it. You're paying me, so that's fine. Um, I didn't think anything of it, but then someone else um, uh, from the casting agency called me back and said, listen, uh, I know you spoke to my colleague about this role earlier, but did they mention about being clean-shaven? I said, yeah, yep, they mentioned it. And they're like, okay, and and that's all right? like, yep, that's absolutely fine. Um, and as the fitting was the next day, and I had quite a sizable beard at the time, I thought, bloody hell! If I turn up tomorrow and I don't have a clean-shaven face, I'm going to be in, in the, in you know, in the bad books. I'm going to be in the doghouse because they, they, yeah, you know, two people called me to you know mention being clean-shaven. So I did, got rid of the beard, clean-shaven, looking all nice and smart. Turn up the following morning for my uh, fitting. The first thing the casting director says when she sees me, or the first thing the um, crowd AD says when they see me is, where the fuck is your beard? Which took me by surprise, really, because, you know, I I was quite proud of the fact that I was coming in there with a clean, shaven face and, you know, looking all smart and presentable. However, turns out, uh, because of the role that I was playing um, and because of my gingerness... Um, my beard was pivotal to, pivotal to me getting that role. And when they saw me clean-shaven, they hit the roof. They were not pleased at all. And it was a very awkward situation uh, which involved them going back to the agency and then the agency coming back to me and, and just this whole thing, which was uh, very stressful. But they decided that they would uh, endure. It was two weeks before we filmed. So they told me I needed to try my hardest to grow my beard back as much as possible. Now, I'm not a scientist. um, But I'm I'm pretty sure that even with all the willpower in the world, you can't just make your beard grow. And I tried. I think every teenage boy has tried. Um, But yeah, luckily, um, you know, two weeks, my, my beard grows pretty fast and I thought I can do that. But they weren't so sure. So halfway through... Um, trying on my costume, and when I want to say halfway through, like I had a pair of trousers on, nothing else. Um, they said we better check to make sure that we have a contingency in case he's not una- able to grow enough beard back in time. I've never known my beard to be this crucial, but here we go. So they send me, um, bare chested across. Uh, to another part of Warner Brothers Studios where they're doing the hair and makeup. And they basically have a series of beards, fake beards, that they're going to attach to my face, take pictures, and try to work out, you know, what's the best option. And I knew it was going to be, it wasn't going to work because the first was a blonde beard, the second was a brown beard, and the third was a black beard. Uh, And seeing as that, they really wanted my gingerness to be showing through. Um... Yeah, but I still had to stand around with these silly trousers on, um, bare-chested, and I'm not in great shape, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think dad bod would be uh, a compliment. Um, But yeah, so I'm stood there, stupid trousers on, big pasty belly sticking out, stupid like black beard glued to my face, which didn't look right at all, and in walks... Jason Momoa, he's there to have his hair done as well, and he's striding in, confident, beaming, um, and one part of the story that always seems to catch, um, well, my sister's attention, of any anyone else, uh, he's just wearing a sarong. Like, he hasn't got dressed yet because he's coming out to get his hair like, um, washed and had extensions or whatever put in and and done how it needs to be done for, for Aquaman. Um, so he comes in just wearing a sarong and carrying a big stack of vinyl under his arm. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, sort of give him the nod, like, kind of, sup, dude. Um, but he just looks at me. The, the way I'm dressed and the way I'm looking, he's just giving me the look of, like, what the fuck, dude? And I'm, I'm trying to, like, with my facial expressions, explain to him that this wasn't my idea. Um, which I shouldn't have to. But, you know, it's just, whenever that happens... and. Your first interaction with someone who's that cool and and you're just really not looking cool. Yeah. It was a problem. I I was a bit embarrassed, but um, thought nothing of it. Um, Anyway, he's got this stack of vinyl under his arm and I'm thinking to myself, like, is he going to be one of those pretentious, uh, you know, actor types that's got this collection of rare bluegrass and jazz from the 1920s and crank it out and lecture people on the importance of New Orleans in the music history of I, I don't know you know you know it's just it's one of those situations where like sort of I was gearing myself up to be I don't know struggling to resist rolling my eyes at the pretentiousness of it all and of course I was completely completely way off. He puts the first record on, and I'm talking about v- proper vinyl record. And what starts playing but old school GNR, Guns and Roses? I, I don't know why I was expecting anything different, really. Uh, as he started stomping around and like sort of you know, moshing or headbanging or whatever, you know, he's really getting into the music. I'm an old rocker too, like I've you know, I've I've been to hundreds of concerts and and given myself what must be, like, neck injuries that I'm still dealing with. Whenever I get a crick in my neck, I'm always thinking to myself like, oh, that was. That was Slayer at Reading. Yeah, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have gone to that straight after System of a Down. Too much too much headbanging. Uh, so I think I've got neck injuries from all my love of rock music over the years. And, and when he started stomping around, I was having to stand completely still whilst uh, people were taking pictures of me and various unflattering beards. And there was one moment when the batteries went in the, the lady's uh, camera because they... It's, it's it's weird when you have these situations. For some reason, there's a camera, then they have it on the camera phone, and then someone else takes a picture on their camera phone. You're not really sure how many people are taking your picture just for professional reasons. And others are just like, kind of, I need to get a snap of this guy looking like a right dickhead right now. And I show this to my my friends back at home, like, look at the kind of idiots I need to deal with. That's what I was expecting. Anyway, she had to go and change her battery, so I had to wait there. And poor Jason, as I look over, he's stomping around and, you know, really getting into the music. And everyone's kind of avoiding eye contact with him. Like, no one here is really into the roll School GNR. And I'm not a huge GNR fan, but my man's rocking out and he's just all his own. So, once I realise that I'm not being photographed anymore, I just turn to him. I throw out both hands with the sign of the beast, give him the full devil horns, and I just start going for it as well. We're both kind of stomping around to, like, Axl Rose wailing... Um, And then, you know, a minute passes and this woman comes back with her camera and fresh batteries in there. I've got to stand still again. But I swear, when he saw me kind of like giving him the horns and kind of like stomping my feet and he just looked back and he looked so pleased and he kind of gave me the horns back and shared a little moment where, like as as ridiculous as I I must have looked, um, you know, I I couldn't have been happier. You know, this is the thing, this industry does provide me with some very unique and unusual stories. And um, I can't really talk about a lot of stuff because of um, NDAs. Um, So I can't really talk about stuff that I'm working at at the moment. You'll never hear me talk about what I'm working on right now. Um, But I will share stories, if I have them, that are relative to what's going on in the podcast and what we're discussing. So um, yeah, that was my day meeting Jason Momoa. Um, So of all the people that I should remember being in Justice League... I should remember him. So when his name escaped me, I could—I was literally reeling off everyone else in the cast and I, I could not remember his name. But yeah, he's a fine actor. Um, and yeah, whilst I don't think the dialogue that was written for him in, in um, Justice League was very good, uh, Aquaman, the standalone film, did a lot better and was enjoyable. Not perfect, but it was definitely going in a better direction. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with... Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is going to HBO Max next year. Um, because here's the thing. Um, whilst I can tell you about my um, fitting experience, I can't really talk to you about what I actually did on Justice League. Uh, because um, what I did ended up being cut from the theatrical version. As Zack Snyder said, what you saw... Um, when Justice League was released, only really contained about 25% of his Justice League story. So, or 25% of it was from his Justice League story. Um, and the scene that I was involved in was one of the ones that ended up on the cutting room floor. So with that being said, and now that they are actually picking up that old footage and putting it back into what we now believe is going to be a serial, uh, so like six episodes at about 45 minutes each, Um basically the same the whole thing's going to be like just over four hours long um yeah but now i've got this feeling that the, the scene that i'm in is now going to be put back into the film which means that what i have what i know about that scene is once again confidential um so watch this space basically uh <laughs> If my scene does end up getting thrown back into the film, then I'll be able to talk about it when it actually gets out on HBO Max. And you know I'm going to be talking about that. All right, technically this is a movie podcast and technically that's not going to be a movie when it gets onto HBO Max. But I think, you know, I think we can let that one go. Um, I'm still toying with the idea of doing a midweek TV podcast as well, but um, one thing at a time, eh? Anyway, that has been this week's edition of the following feature podcast. I am your host, Arthur Wilde. Uh, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope you enjoy the films that I've recommended. Um, looking forward to hearing some more movie gossip. And uh, if you have any questions, or uh, again, if you want to reach out, if you just want someone to talk to you, I'm here for you. You're my people. We're all friends here. Um, one love. And um, speaking of one love next week, I think I'm going to have to do. Um, I'm going to have to do films which deal with uh, uh, racial tension and the history of racism um, in the world and especially in America. Um, we've seen some amazing films come out over the last few years. So we've got the Spike Lee's new film coming up. Um, but next week, I believe I will be talking about Black Klansmen, because uh, I think it's significant and, um, and very important given the current climate. I'll also be talking about Queen and Slim which is another fantastic film um, which deals with uh, racial tensions um, and the problems facing um, black Americans right now. Um, And maybe another one. um, I might have to look at um, an indie film of some sort. Uh, I'd love some recommendations if you want to throw them at me. Um, But until next week, I bid you farewell. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. Look after each other. And I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.